and we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, and Lisa Goitsch, my friend and producer, is alongside, as always. Lisa, good to see you. Hope all is well. It's always happy to me when you say my friend. I, I say that a lot, but I really like when you say that. <laughs> well, I guess you're going to be happy every Tuesday because I'm going to say it every Tuesday. I love it. Okay. So this past uh, week was an interesting uh, anniversary week for me. Uh, I hadn't realized it, but it was the uh, anniversary of the release of my book for one more day, which was a novel. Ah. It was the uh, second novel that I wrote. It was two books after Tuesdays with Maury. I wrote Tuesdays with Maury. Then I wrote the five people you meet in heaven. And then I wrote for one more day. And it turns out that September 26th, I didn't really keep track of it, but somebody brought it to my attention that September 26th was the day that the book was published. Ah. And so we decided, uh, let's make a little video wishing the book happy birthday. And I sat down at my desk where I am right now and where I wrote for one more day. And I started to talk about how the inspiration for that book came from sitting at the same spot where I was sitting and where I'm sitting right now and reaching to call my mother on the phone, which sits to my right. And it's an old fashioned phone with a landline that you dial. You can just dial on the, on the facade of the phone and you know, you can talk into the speaker or you can lift up the handset. And I would call my mother on mornings, you know, very frequently, or she would call me and how one morning I was sitting there looking at that phone and I said to myself, there's going to come a time when I'm going to reach for that phone and I'm not going to be able to call my mother Ah, because mm -hmm. she's not going to be alive. And I know what I'm going to say then. I'm going to say, man, if I could only have one more day with her. And gave birth to the idea of a story about a guy who kind of reaches the lowest point in his life. He was a baseball player that failed and one thing turned after another and he became an alcoholic. He messed up his marriage and his kid and, and he decides there's no point in living anymore. And he goes back to the small hometown where he grew up and he's going to kill himself. He's going to throw himself off of a water tower in the little town where he grew up because that's where the last place that things were right for him. And he goes to throw himself off the water tower and he, he can't do it. He, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And he goes back to his childhood home as the sun is coming up and it's an abandoned house, but he walks into it and he hears his mother in the kitchen making breakfast and he discovers that she is somehow alive again and he gets one more day with her in which he examines how his life came unraveled and realizes it all began the day that she died and you know there's a whole family story to it and there's all kinds of stuff but throughout the whole course of the day 
he doesn't want to say to her, how can you be here? You died because he doesn't want her to disappear. Ah, you know, and uh-huh, he feels uh-huh. like he's going to ruin it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the same token, that's what he's thinking the whole time. She's been yeah. dead for years. And all of a sudden, and she doesn't acknowledge being dead at all. And, you know, there are a few coy moments where they almost say something, but she just kind of brushes it off as it's just another day in the house, you know. And that book was inspired by my mother. And it was, it turned out, I, I, I never told her what I was writing about. She knew I was writing about Five People You Meet in Heaven. She knew I was writing about Tuesdays with Maury. But for One More Day was kind of a sneaked up book because I wasn't due to write another book for a couple of years because there had been six years between Tuesdays with Maury and Five People You Meet in Heaven. And I think the publishers just figured out ah, he's going to need another six years before he writes another one. But I actually wrote for One More Day in three years after I wrote uh, or less than three years after I wrote Five People You Meet in Heaven, and I basically delivered it to my publisher, finished. Like I didn't even, I didn't even tell them I was working on it until I finished the book, and then I, I sent it in. They must so have was, been like, wow, uh, okay. Yeah, it was kind of like, <laughs> what, we have a book from you? Uh, and I kind of did the same thing with my mom because I didn't want her to read it and as I was going along and make edits or suggestions because the character was based on her. And I gave it to her, and there's a story in the book about, uh, and the character goes through this, but it was actually a true story, where when he is five years old, he wants to dress as a mummy for uh, Halloween. And in those days, you used to go to school in your Halloween costume, and they had like a little parade in the town. And every, all the kids would wear their Halloween costumes. You'd walk around the town, you know, and then they'd dismiss you early and let you go trick-or-treating. And I wanted to be the mummy, but my mother, uh, you know, trying to put together a costume, uh, didn't have enough rags to sort of wrap me in. So she just got toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And she just wrapped me up in toilet paper <laughs> and taped it together and things like perfect. that. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect for a mummy. Well, it's perfect under most conditions, except when we started the parade, it began to rain. Oh, geez. And the rain got onto the toilet paper and it started to melt. Oh, and boy. by the time we made our way back to the school from our little parade, I was just a big glob of wet toilet paper <laughs> oh, no. down by my ankles and down by my down oh, by no. my wrists. Oh, bless and you. I was crying and oh. I was upset. And my mother was there standing on a porch with some other women from the neighborhood. And um, I made eye contact with her. And I still can remember she put her hand over her mouth because I think she was, she didn't want to laugh. Um, but, but she was like horrified and amused at the same time. Oh and, my um, gosh. That's I so adorable. I pointed at her from the parade uh-huh. and I said, you ruined my life. Oh no. I was like five or six. Right. I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> you ruined my life. And so there's a photo of <laughs> me in that mummy costume. I don't know Leather how we drive. still have. Did you? Was it no after? before I left? Oh, before. No, before okay, I left, okay. when it was all together, I looked like a mummy. Yeah, and I got that photo and I put it on the back page of the book, beside two photos of her, one when she was that age, 
when I was that age. Yeah. And one of what she looked like at the time of the publication of the book. And I wrote to the mother of the mummy, you know, uh, the real, you know, yeah. inspiration for this book. So I gave her the book and I said, read this, you know, and go and tell me what you think. And she went off, you know, for the next day or whatever. And she read it. She came back. She said, I finished the book. And of course, it was a tribute to her and her love for me. And there's so many little incidents in there, even though they're fictional characters. It's not a true story. They're fictional yeah. characters. But I know it's her and she knows it's her. And she said, I said, well, what did you think? She said, oh, I loved it. And my favorite part, and I'm thinking, okay, which story did I tell that would be your favorite part? My favorite part were the pictures of me at the back. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Uh um, Little did I know that my mom would suffer the first of several strokes shortly after that book came out. Wow. And it would end up being the last book that she read. Wow. And when I sat down to make this video to tell everybody about the anniversary of For One More Day, I looked at the calendar to say September 26th, and I realized September 27th was my mom's birthday. Wow. And so here I was celebrating the birthday of the book. And actually, I was making it. It would come out on the birthday of my Your mom. Yeah. And so I changed the video around to be a little bit more of a tribute to her and uh, showed a picture of her, whatever. And you can find the video wherever fine videos are made. I don't know. It's on TikTok. (laughs) It's going to be on your page. I'm sure that it's on your social media. Yeah. Yeah. People can find it there. It's somewhere there. Oh, Uh, that's sweet, Mitch. Uh, But what it made me think about is... um, this show often speaks about loss. Obviously, you know, Tuesdays with Maury deals with loss and deals with how you deal with loss and deals with, you know, what's a meaningful life before you have to lose somebody and all the rest of it. But it occurs to me that there are losses that you endure in life and there are people who you lose in life. And then there's your mother. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that the loss of your mother is a singular event. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as all the other losses. Mm-mm. It's just in a different category. Yep. And um, I went back and I listened to the tapes of Maury talking about the loss of his mother, which was a, a tragic event. She died very, very young. And she was only in her 20s. And he remembered, like, you know, trying to ignore that she was sick because he didn't want her to be sick, as he tells in this story here. They had this candy store. And I used to, when I was three or four or five, I kill, sell kids penny candy. Finally, she got sick. And they, I think the candy store had a close. Well, she was tending it mostly. And she was sick for about two years before she died. So the whole thing started at age six, the lack of mothering, so to speak. And that's a devastating thing for a youngster. 
I remember one vision of I was playing stickball, you know, on the street. And she'd call me out of the window to come and get her me get medicine for her. And I sort of keep her waiting because I resented the fact that she was sick and she needed and medicine. Yeah, right. And I had to give up my pleasure. Right. You know how kids are. And I remember Maury telling me this, and, and he continued that story, and he cried so badly Aww. because he felt like, you know, I didn't understand that she was in pain. I just understood that she was my mother, and she wasn't doing the stuff that other kids' mothers did. Isn't you know? that something that all those years later... All those years later... That, that moment was still in his heart and was still affecting later. him. And, and on the Nightline program, he spoke about his mother, and he... He broke into tears too. That's something. All those years wow. later, which is speaks to my point about how there is something different about the death of your mother. It's the power of the mother, just yeah. in your life in general, which is what causes such grief when they're gone and such an emptiness. But it's more than even the power. It's what I wrote in the book for one more day. It's you lose your rudder. Mm. You know, your boat doesn't have a rudder anymore. Mm -hmm. because most people's really now, of course there are exceptions to the rule and people don't like their mothers. They never get along with them. They were terrible. My father raised me, my grandmother. I understand all that. But I'm talking about the people who had healthy relationships with their mothers, loving, good relationships. They would often say that, you know, they were the rudder that steered their ship. And when your mother is out of the world, you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. We'll be back with more Tuesday people right after this. Maury had to tell his father that his mother had died because his father didn't speak English. And there was a, uh, a telegram that came to the house, but it was in English and Maury had to translate it for him. Here he is talking about that. My mother went to the hospital. We did not visit her there. We got a telegram, I don't know how much later, announcing that she was dead. That's how. That's it? I have the telegram. You still have it? Yeah. I'll show it to you. What made you keep the telegram all this? My oh. father kept it. Uh -huh. How did he inform you? Were you there when the telegram, telegram came? I probably informed him because he couldn't read English. So can you imagine having to read the telegram to your father that his wife, your mother, is dead? No wow. wonder, no wonder Maury, you know, was so affected. As a by little the loss boy. Yeah. Yeah. He really Did was. Can you explain and what his father's reaction was? He he basically said he he didn't cry, he didn't do anything. He didn't, rem you know, he doesn't remember that there was much of a reaction at all. I don't, I take it that Maury's father was not an expressive person, unlike Maury. Yeah, who and was so, very expressive. Yeah, hugely expressive. 
That was his uh, middle name. And maybe that, though, was one of the reasons why Maury was so hugely expressive. You know what I mean? That could have been a big turning point yeah, in his life. I, I'm sure it really was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was. Absolutely. Um, so, as I say, I, I don't. when we lose our mothers, we have to find our way in the world without a a comfort, without a ballast, without the rudder of our ship. It is a seminal moment in everybody's life when you realize the person that brought you into the world from whom you came is no longer there. And I, I, that's why I say I think the death of a mother is, is different. And I wonder how many all, of all of you uh, feel the same way and feel free to share that. Uh, of all the losses in your life was the loss of your mother, the one that, not that you cried harder or that you took you longer to recover from. It's just the one that felt different. The one that, that really defined loss in a way that was different than all the other ones, because you didn't just lose her. You lost yourself. Yes. You lost a piece of yourself because we are very much, especially when we begin life, we are how our mothers perceive us. You know, remember when you're a little kid, I, I see it with Nadi now, you know, she likes to please me. Okay, I'm not her mother, but I'm making the example. You know, she likes to please Janine. She, she, if Janine says good girl, you know, you see in her eyes, like I did something right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Janine says, don't do that. You see in her eyes, like, oh, you know, what did I do? And is she not going to love me? And, she, and then Nadi will put her arms up like this, like, lift me, lift me. You know, take me up like, don't love me. Don't, don't scold me. Love me. Don't scold me. <laughs> right. So that, that act of lifting your arms, like she does all the time to Janine, you know, um, that act of, of seeking your mother's approval is ingrained in us. Oh yeah. It's part of who we are. And when we lose our mothers, who do we raise our arms to and yeah. say, you know, lift me up. Right. There's nobody. And it's not the same with people who aren't your mother. And it's one of the things I realized when my mom died, whether well, it's two parts to it. One, how much I depended on her um, my whole life, even though I was clear across the country from her, I really depended on her. Like I called her constantly. I asked her questions. I would yeah. tell her my problems. And then when she died, one of the things I realized was, God, I sucked so much life out of my poor mom. Uh-huh. I never asked her how she was doing, what she was doing. Did she need anything? I think we just depend on our moms so much and we expect them to be there for us in a way, you know? And I think when they're gone, you're right. There's nobody else that um, that kind of treats you that way or that like, it's like an un, what is that word? Um unconditional. Yes. It's an unconditional relationship. It's not just love. It's an unconditional relationship that you lose. And I, I don't think you have that with anybody else in your life, your husband, your wife, nobody. Right. And that's why you mourn it so much. And, um, I was just thinking about that because, uh, connecting that book and her birthday, um, reminded me of, of, of how much how empty my life has been since she's been gone. And I want to, I want to end today's podcast by reading you uh, a column I wrote right after she died. I had written about her, you know, over the years, different places and things like that and whatever, but this I knew was going to be kind of the last one. Uh, And it's, they titled it one last column for a one of a kind mom. Mm. 
And this is what I wrote in the Detroit Free Press on January 25th of 2015. Over the years in this space, I have occasionally written about my mother. I once wrote a Halloween column on how she made me the mummy. She wrapped me in toilet paper, which was fine until it started raining. I wrote about how she marched me into the library once after a librarian had told me, that book's too hard for you. And my mother yelled, never tell a child something is too hard for him and never this child. I wrote about how she insisted I stay in college even when my father lost his job. How she refused to learn email because she feared I would stop calling her. How I beckoned her to the stage at the Fox Theater during a charity benefit one night and a friend yelled out, she's in the bathroom. I wrote what it was like feeding her after her stroke, one spoonful at a time. And finally, what it was like to stare at her as she withered, wondering whether she knew me at all. The difference between all those columns and this one is pretty simple. I could show her those. I can't show her this. She's gone. We lost her gradually, first her balance, then her movement, then her speech, her recognition, and finally, last weekend, her breath. She did our family a final kindness going that way because she was too great a force to disappear all at once. Instead, like one of those NASA rockets, she stripped her way piece by piece and route to the heavens. How can I tell you about my mother? How do I fit her 84 years into words? She didn't change the world, only our world. She didn't run a country, only our country. She lost her father when she was 15, and with him went her dreams of college and medical school. Instead, she became a teenage parent to her heartbroken mother and younger brother. She married the only man she ever dated, my father, when she was 20 years old. They wed on Christmas Eve because the restaurant was cheap and available. For six years, they lived with my grandmother, who made no apologies for bursting through their bedroom at any hour. No surprise, my folks remained childless until they moved out. How can I tell you about my mother? She went by Rhoda, Roe, Aunt Roe, Mrs. A, or Bubby. She was funny and fierce and loyal and brilliant. And while she never became a doctor, everyone ran to her for advice. She was loving, wise, and patient, and she cared not a whit what the world thought. She used to say to me, the masses are asses. She volunteered as a clown in hospitals and in fundraising for ALS. She taught herself interior design and became one of the most respected designers in the Philadelphia area. In death, she leaves her mark all over the country in armoires, ottomans, wallpapers, and throw pillows. She loved to walk while holding her children's hands. She loved to sing and twirl us around in a dance. She loved to jump into our affairs, no matter how much we might resist. And she once actually said to me, Mitchie, if you let me, I could straighten out your life. Yes, she called me Mitchie. Only a mother can do that, right? It's funny. Over the last five years, as she slowly slipped away, I lost the sound of her voice. I only saw the suffering body in front of me, the locked arms, the grimmest expression, the 80-pound skeleton wearing an adult diaper. The horror of that seemed to muzzle my memory. But now that she's gone, her voice is slowly coming back. And so was the reminder of how truly, truly loved I was and how much I miss it. How can I tell you about my mother? This might sound silly, but in the 1941 movie Dumbo, 
There's a scene where the captured mother's elephant through the bars of a cage cradles little Dumbo in her trunk and sings, Baby mine, don't you cry. Baby mine, dry your eyes. Rest your head close to my heart, never to part, baby of mine. I choke up whenever I see that because I know that feeling. Forever loved, forever comforted, through whatever bars may separate you, never to part. If this is the last column I write about my mother, then you should know that was what it was like to be your son. And it was glorious. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm tearing up over here, Mitch. That was beautiful. Well, oh, that Dumbo scene. Oh, yeah. It's all about that. It's all about that. I can't watch that without Oh, man. I have to admit. Oh, Um, man. So it's part of what we're saying about, you know, your mother's love is different than everybody else's. And the loss of your mother's love is different than anybody else's. So, you know, celebrate. You know, I I find it's better, like, I think of my mom's birthday and I – I kind of commemorate her on that day as opposed to the day that she died. I don't want to celebrate the day that she died. You know, like that was a terrible day. Yeah. But my mom's birthday was always a big day for her. And she made a big fuss over it. She always wanted like cards. And somewhere along the way, uh, she started giving the hint that she would like more than one card. I think (laughs) she did this by like she started giving us more than one card. Uh-huh. She would, you know, like you get your birthday and, and I would get like a really stupid one and then another one of those, you know, let's try to be funny one. And then I get these giant ones that had these really flowery, you know, to a loving son yes. from his mother, you know, and, and you could tell like she wanted that in reverse and she would sit there and read every card out loud that she got. She wasn't the slightest bit interested in presents. She had everything she needed but cards. And and she would say, now that's a thoughtful card. Cause if it didn't match up like to her exactly, if it was like a generic mom card, you know, or she would say something like, like, you know, say in the times you made us breakfast and, and she would say, I never made you breakfast. So you had to, you had to really read the cards and make sure that there, there were no contradictions in it. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember that when I remember her birthday. And so yeah. as I celebrate the anniversary of For One More Day, the book, I really celebrate the inspiration behind that book and her birthday, my mom. And so happy birthday. She would have been 93. Aww. Happy birthday, mom. And uh, hopefully that brings back some good memories to all of you of who have lost your moms. And if you haven't and your moms are still in your life, make sure you spend time with them and cherish those moments because you're you're going to want one more day with them when you don't have them anymore. Yeah. Lisa and I can attest to that. That is the truth. Remember, our website is wetuesdaypeople.com. You can find out more about previous shows and chats and different subjects, etc. We really appreciate you spending a little time with us every week. Until we see you again with Lisa Goitz, my friend and producer, I am Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.